I'm John Fox, and welcome to Startups, a podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs and learn how they turn great ideas into successful companies. In this episode, we focus on a space startup in Slovakia called Space Manic. They design and develop nanosatellites. My guest today is Jakob Kapas, founder and CTO of Space Manic. He's played a pivotal role in building a space industry in Slovakia where there was none before. So we talk about not just how to build a new product and a new company, but also how he and his team helped build an industry. It's a really inspiring story. Let me know what you think of this episode. You can tweet me at John H. Fox, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or email me at john.fox at siemens.com. Jakob, welcome. Thanks for being on the podcast. I'm looking at your website and I see your tagline is space is our playground. That sounds pretty intriguing. Tell me a little bit about your company, where you're located and uh, what you guys do. Thank you for the invitation uh, for your podcast session. So a uh, little about uh, our company. We are focusing on uh, nanosatellites, components, products and uh, services. So basically what we are providing is that customer has some payload. It could be some sensor or a scientific detector or something. And he wants to put this payload into space. And uh, we are helping the customer with a... Uh, with the whole process from design phase, integration, component selection, bureaucracy, licenses, uh, everything. We are also trying to find the right flight solution for the customer. So we select the rocket basically for him and uh, book the place uh, on the rocket. And after the satellite uh, is in space, in our company, we have also a ground station systems for a satellite communication. So we are also able to provide this kind of service, the communication with the satellite, downloading the data. So it's a turnkey service, yeah. So we've been hearing a lot about nanosatellites. Could you talk a little bit about the role that these play in the industry and the, the trends? When did, when did that all start? Yeah, it's a quite a new thing. Nanosatellites the, starts in the 2003 or something like that in some U.S. Uh, university. And after that, the nanosatellites or CubeSats, we are also calling them CubeSats, uh, changing the, the whole process, uh, how to reach the space, because thanks to the nanosatellites and to, thanks to the CubeSats, now it's very cheap and very fast to get your thing into space. So a little more about nanosatellites. They are very small satellites, like... Uh, the, the smallest one is 10 centimeter cube uh, with weight slightly about one kilogram. So they're also very, very small. Right. And how much of your business is nanosatellites right now? It's the flagship. It's the, it's the main business of our company right now. But we are also aiming uh, uh, into bigger satellites business. The small satellites, which are uh, several hundred kilogram satellites, like uh, 500 kilogram or so. That's, that's the future. Right now, we are focusing just uh, on the nanosatellite business and uh, services. You mentioned um, nanosatellites. They're a lot less costly. How is that changing the industry? Are they being used for more things, or are they just reducing costs of what was being done before? What are your customers doing? Yeah, we have several customers. One customer is a, a university, technical university, and they have developed some kind of scientific instrument, scientific payload. They, they are paying us for a 
put their payload into space, as I said before. Then we have, for example, the commercial company from the Czech Republic. They are developing for, uh, I don't know, 30 years, very pressure sensors. And uh, they want to sell these sensors into aerospace, but their sensors have never been in space. So they don't have a flight heritage for uh, their component. So, um, yeah, they choose the nanosatellite as the fastest uh, fastest way and cheap and most cheap way how to put their component into space and how to get a flight heritage. Before nanosatellites, building the satellite took, let's say, 10 years or so. But now we can build and launch 10 satellites per year. And it's very fast and it's very cheap. Great. Now, I don't think we've mentioned your company name yet. It's Space Manic, yeah? You have a really interesting origin story, I'll call it. So can you talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea, how you got a team together? It starts in 2008 or so. (laughs) We were just a group of uh, very young people. Some of my colleagues uh, were in the high school in that time. I was in the first semester in, in the university. We were a space enthusiast, and uh, we see our future in, in a space business, in space technologies. But unfortunately, for Slovaks in that time, there was no, let's say, opportunity how to do that, because Slovakia wasn't a member of European Space Agency. There was some heritage in Slovakia from Soviet times, but in the year 2008, there weren't space companies in Slovakia. The government even wasn't thinking about getting into ESA and become a member of European Space Agency. We decided to to change that and we found the NGO and uh, it's called the Slovak Organization for Space Activities. It's uh, still active till now. We start to do some kind of educational popularizational activities in Slovakia but uh, you can imagine that uh, when a 20 years old student came to some major of the city or <laughs> yes yeah, some politician and start talking about space activities in Slovakia so that's really interesting how did you even begin to like how did you know who to talk to and what to ask yeah, I was searching for a contacts on the universities and the Academy of Sciences. I, I tried to contact to some political parties to sell them this idea that uh, we have to invest in Slovakia to, to technologies, to space technologies, and, but not even space technologies, and also in uh, another areas. So, yeah. <laughs> so, who, what was your breakthrough? Who did you meet? When did you finally make these connections and something started to happen? Yeah, it took several years to do that, actually. Yeah. But the main thing was that we decided to build the first Slovak satellite in that time. You can imagine that we, as a student, have, I don't know, five euros in the pocket. <laughs> so it was a very yeah. strange idea to, to launch the first Slovak satellite into space without any previous experience without money, without uh, contacts, without everything. But we started somehow. We we bought some first development kits with some processors and transceivers, and we started to design and develop the the first Slovak satellite. But we didn't have the money for actual space hardware and 
for the launch. So uh, in 2010, we launched the first satellite, but not on the rocket, but on the balloon to the stratosphere, to the altitude around 40,000 meters. And then some new students came to our team, some universities started to cooperate, first technological companies gave us some money, some services for free, you know. So start to work somehow. As time goes, we get the money. We also gain some popularity. Media start to come to us and uh, asking about our project. And after that, also politicians <laughs> start to communicate with us. And uh, So first the media and then the politicians. So what excited the media? Was it the, uh, the mission of the project or just the, you know, the idea of a native company starting a, starting a space company? At the time, we were just an NGO, non-governmental organization or civic association, or how to say that. So not a company. But yeah, I think the idea of the first Slovak satellite and very young people uh, doing that <laughs> was uh, interesting for media. So yeah, some first articles, some first interviews we made. And uh, I was in the TV after the first balloon launch. And the Ministry of Transport called me another day <laughs> and was asking me about the, the whole idea. So, yeah. Oh, nice. What became of that? You got more people involved, maybe more investors, um, certainly more interest. Exactly. And after that, the launch occurred in 2017, but we started looking for money for the actual for the launch for the rocket in 2015 or so. And the prime minister of Slovakia and gave us this money for the, for the launch. The prime minister. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, you, you've also mentioned, you know, a lot of companies start in a garage, HP being the, the, the notable one, Hewlett Packard. You have a slightly different story. Tell me about that. Yes, yes. Uh, many of uh, the startups and the companies start in the garage, but our company uh, starts in the bathroom because in the beginning we didn't have any any lab or any any room to do the development so uh we do that in in our homes in the student homes after one year or so one company gave us uh, one room in in their building to to develop uh, the first slovak satellite but uh it wasn't enough for us because uh, we need some other places to do some kind of simulations and so so we put the the whole system for a testing of the attitude determination and control of the satellite in their bathroom so it was very funny because uh, you know, someone goes to bathroom to do their thing <laughs> they they were actually looking and uh, at the device and the satellite in it and uh, also, we wrote a letter to Ministry of Education in that time about uh, the first satellite project and about the uh, uh, European Space Agency and why Slovakia uh, should uh, invest the money into it. And uh, one day, he's, he just came to our place. As the first thing, I invited him to the bathroom to show him the satellite. So it was also very funny. <laughs> Yeah, obviously a lot of challenges creating a startup like this in that in, in that environment and in your in your location. What are some of the other big challenges you faced as a startup? We have folks, entrepreneurs listening, 
in some cases, people who are considering making the leap and, and starting their own company. Can you first talk more about the challenges you faced? Maybe I said that uh, in 2017, the first satellite was launched. And after that, some universities and companies start to asking us about our components, about our know-how, want from us to do the same for them, for their payload. So that's actually when the idea about the company starts. So it's a spin-off company from that NGO. But we are still at the beginning because it was the year 2017 and now just four years we are on the market. And it was very hard because the first thing, because uh, the Slovakia hasn't heritage in the space technologies. So we we mm, do not have customers in Slovakia at all. All of our customers are, are from abroad. There wasn't very, let's say, governmental programs how to support these kind of technological companies as, as we were. So... Uh, that's uh, reasons why we started looking uh, the and other countries, and uh, we move into Czech Republic because Czech Republic is a full member of ESA from 2008, and um, we apply for a ESA business incubator in Brno in Czech Republic, and they have selected selected us, and uh, yeah, that that's how we spread also in the Czech Republic. It helps the company very much because we we became a part of the European Space Agency ecosystem. Uh, there are companies which are experienced. They um, help us with some projects. They invite us to some consortium for ESA, bigger ESA projects, and it helps us a lot. Yeah. Great. And how about in terms of building a team, uh, recruiting talent? It sounds like you work with students and, and uh, university a lot. Talk about as, as you go through this timeline up to and including, you know, winning that customer in the Czech Republic, how did your team grow? Yeah, actually, I'm sitting right now on the Faculty of Electrical Engineering of the Slovak Technical University in Bratislava. So uh, the, the Slovak part of the company is sitting uh, in, in the university, actually, in the Technical University. That's how we find talents. There are many students which came to us in, in their first semester. They are with us now for several years. We are also helping them to get places. Let's say they are a very talented student which came to us and he was for one year in Finland, in Helsinki, on the Alta University. He was working on the, on the Finnish satellite project. And uh, during the summer, he came back and uh, has very good know-how, very good experience from uh, from this program. So he actually started to work uh, on the on the big missions we are doing right now, like right ahead. So yeah, we are working closely with the universities, technical universities in Slovakia in the Czech Republic, and trying to find uh, the talents there. Let's talk about some of the engineering challenges you face. So nanosatellites, very small, as you mentioned, you know, mechanical design, electrical software. What are some of the technical challenges you've run into as you, you know, built the built your first product and, you know, building your company? We recycle the products from the SKQ project because for that satellite, we design and develop uh, every component which uh, was in it. So uh, onboard computer 
transceiver, antenna system, power supplied unit uh, with batteries, some kind of sensors for attitude determination, electromagnetical actuators for um, attitude control of the satellite. So we develop all these things in-house, put them into space, learned what was working, what was not working very well. And after that, we redesign every component to, to make it you know, very reliable and uh, suitable for, for a space and start to provide them as a product for our customers. But uh, there are a lot of challenges because if you are developing hardware for uh, ground, not for the space, in the space there are very harsh conditions in, in the manner that there are very high radiation, which is bombarding the electronics. We, we had the problems with the first satellite because of the radiation. Every component has to be tested for radiation and it's very expensive and it took a long time. There are also problems with the temperature because the satellite is in space and when the sun is shining on the satellite, the temperature uh, on the solar panels could be around 70 uh, degrees of Celsius. And after the satellite flew into shadow, the temperature on the, on the solar panels could be as low as minus 70. The orbit is around 90 minutes let's say the half of the time on the sun, half of the time is in the shade. So uh, put your mobile phone <laughs> into some chamber and um, change the temperature every 40 minutes from minus 70 to plus 70. What happened? And that there is a vacuum, there is a problem with the heating, many, many problems with that. A common theme we've encountered talking to startups, hardware startups of all stripes, you know, anything from consumer products, mountain bikes to industrial machinery, and now to a company like yourself creating products for the, for the extremes of space. A trend is startups are using more digital technologies, which are helping them differentiate themselves, whether that's, you know, speed or cost against their competitors. What digital technologies, and that could be, you know, software tools. 3D printing, what are you using in, in your business and differentiating yourself from your competitors? Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that uh, we developed the, the CubeSat platform. We are calling the platform the plug-and-play satellite platform. So we are able to design and to integrate satellite in such short time because we can connect the modules, uh, let's say, as a Lego Technics. Or... Oh, yeah, right, Lego Technics. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so actually, thanks to that design, we have developed. Uh, it's it's for for us. It's very easy to accommodate the satellite flat platform for for the payload for the customer needs. And uh, in the past, we went uh, through multiple hardware, software solutions, get solutions from a wide range of providers. But after having a lot of trouble with the compatibility and some kind of, we were using some kind of um, open source tools like KiCad or so. But actually, then we, we landed on a solid edge, which served us well for both exporting our models, importing models of our customers and suppliers with no problems. So actually, it helps us a lot with, with the design phase. When the customers came with some requirements, 
we are able to to make him a 3D model of the satellite in in a days or so. Yeah. And you mentioned um, working with suppliers and customers. And what kind of different CAD formats do you do you typically deal with on a project? When we are communicating with a customer, we are usually using a step step format of, of the file. But uh, there were problems because many of our customers are using uh, fusions. Some of them are you said are using fusion. Some of our partners are using uh, SolidWorks, so yeah, there, there were also uh, some problem with the compatibility. But uh, thanks to SolidEdge and the translation of the formats, it's more easy. And what other engineering software are you using besides engineering tools or other engineering tools? I mentioned uh, Kiket for the PCB design and layout. Also, uh, some kind of uh, Altium software for that. We are using also MATLAB for some kind of simulations, but uh, this is for um, orbit simulations and yeah, these kind of calculations. Now, you mentioned uh, your work with university, that very important first, uh, I guess, commercial customer in um, Czech Republic. Talk about your customers now or, or maybe ones that you're, you're hoping to get and, and, you know, the next five years, where do you see the company going? Yeah, so now we are building the satellites for several customers, but we are aiming, as I said on the beginning, to the bigger satellites, but we can see the market is moving towards to satellite constellations because this is something uh, which uh, nanosatellites are also bringing to us that we can build tens or hundreds of uh, the satellites, the which are which are the same design and launch them into the space for a tele we can do with the constellation telecommunication services uh earth observation services etc this is something i hope that our company will will do that in in the in the future because that's if we design with if we use one kind of design for 100 of satellites it's it's for for us it's very cheap and uh now, um, what kind of advice would you offer other, as I said, entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs who may be listening? <laughs> yeah, that's the hard question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dukes, almost, I don't know. I'm, I'm now 33 to the point where, where I am or where we are. It took 14 years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a very long way actually to to build a company like that. <laughs> yep. And and you fa- you faced maybe even more difficult challenges given the infrastructure, you know, or lack thereof, you know, in your country. You kind of built an industry or helped. <laughs> you had to you kind of had to do that first, right, to lay the groundwork. So um, starting a company and a hardware company is, is, is hard. Your challenges were particularly acute, I think. Let's say we, we started the whole space technology business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope, you, I hope you have that on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> Here in Slovakia, and we, we had to dig the, the whole pathway for, yeah, because yeah. also in, in, in the past, when we were launching uh, the first Slovak satellite, also we, we had to send some letter to United Nations or so, but there was no laws in Slovakia <laughs> for that. So, yeah, we had to dig the pathway in many ways. How about in terms of like work-life balance? The startup lifestyle can be 
all consuming. Any advice there or tips or lessons learned? <laughs> I'm not a very good example. <laughs> no, no. Actually, right now I have 15, 16 uh, hours of work day and I, I have a small child, so uh, that's not very good. And I want to change that soon. But uh, first, we need to finish uh, the projects and the, the whole set of products. And I hope after that, we will have a products on the market. We will have a team established, not only the technical team, but also a, a sales team, a marketing team. And uh, so I hope after that, I will have more time for for my family and for uh, other hobbies I have. Yeah. Well, it's certainly an inspiring story. Congratulations for your um, success to date and best wishes for the future. For the listeners who want to find out more about your company, where can they find more more about you? your website for one? Any anything else if they're interested in learn, learning more about your company or or the industry or your products? Definitely follow our LinkedIn. <laughs> There are many, many information there. So LinkedIn, you're, they would search on your company name? Yeah. <laughs> just just search as Space Manic. Space Manic. Many, many people called us Space Maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so webpage, uh, uh, LinkedIn, we maybe Twitter. And uh, also, uh, if you are interested in, a, in a space projects and in the space business, there are many good web pages for that space news uh, etc fantastic thank you again Jakob for for uh, speaking with me and and your time and again congratulations on all you've achieved thank you very much for, for your time also for the invitation for the podcast thanks for listening we're excited to bring you this story and more as part of our ongoing startups podcast series getting a startup off the ground is no easy endeavor Office space, supplies, employee salaries, and overhead are all vying for a piece of a lean budget. We believe your software tools should be a solution, not a problem. If you're an early-stage startup in business for less than three years, you can now apply to get SolidEdge product development software for free, with no application fee. Apply today at www.siemens.com startups.